Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hi David, welcome to Better Tech. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So let's start off with your introduction first about your role, your current job, and then we'll move on right to the topic for today. Sure, thank you for, for inviting me. Um, this is slightly unusual for me because normally I'm the one interviewing someone else because my, my role uh, at the Harvey Nash Group is, is, is as the group technology evangelist, um, which, which effectively is, is trying to bring together our company's voice through multiple digital channels into mm-hmm. a, a kind of a coherent stream of, of insight on the market um, and that is through podcasting it's through videos and events it's through writing so some people look at me and say I'm a bit of a journalist some people look at me and say I'm a bit of a salesperson some people think I'm a bit of a marketeer but I've been running a podcast now for six years seven years nearly called Tech Talks um, which is 466 episodes old gets about 15,000 streams a month and yeah so I, I normally interview people in the industry uh, and all all of my experience comes from from those conversations over over the over the course of those years. So, which role do you relate to the most? A salesperson, journalist, or a marketeer? Um, it's it's probably a mixture between a sales role and a and a journalistic role, if I'm honest. Um, I, I don't really identify with with marketing as much. Um, I, I'm in this very lucky position of um, being able to talk about and write about the subjects that I feel are uh, most important or pertinent where the market's concerned. Um, and that's meant that I've been able to kind of pursue an agenda around inclusion and diversity over a number of years and, and try and try and be an ally in that position and, and, and write about those topics. So that's great. Um, mm-hmm. often find myself talking about big data or AI and ethics. Um, and that's always super interesting. And then it's through those conversations, obviously, where you find yourself as a peer on a, on a stage or a platform with, a, with another person that you, you organically enter a conversation. And that may lead yeah. to an opportunity to, to introduce them to someone where there might be some benefit. And I suppose that's, that's the very soft sales aspect of what I do now. Right. So, David, let's dive right into our topic for today, which is how AR, VR might affect the future of work and recruitment strategies. So, for recruiters, this kind of virtual reality presents an interesting opportunity to change and improve the candidate experience. What are your thoughts Mm. on it? Well, this is interesting because my background is as a recruiter. Uh, You know, Harvey Nash Group are a technology solution and recruitment business. Harvey Nash itself is a global recruiter. Uh, and I spent the best part of a decade hands-on recruiting people. I, at one point, I, I managed um, over 100 contractors. Uh, so, so kind of preparing people for interviews was, was my day-to-day experience, right? So I, I think that there are some interesting um, applications for AR and VR within the recruitment process. I think... There's a couple of interesting points around um, around inclusion that, that might be and, and bias that might be interesting. 
So if I think mm -hmm. about um, if I think about the music, um, uh, the musical sector, for example, my brother-in-law is a flautist, and when he auditions for um, a role uh, within an orchestra, he plays behind a screen so that the panel um, of experts listening to his playing are not um, influenced by his appearance, his sex, his skin color, his age. And interestingly, over the last few years, you've seen a number of technology organizations, I've been lucky to interview quite a few on the show, um, think about how technology might be able to, to, well, not to remove bias, but to reduce the amount of bias in the recruitment process. So you've got anonymized CVs and uh, you have anonymized answers. But there always comes that point where you're going to meet someone in a recruitment process. So it's, it's minimized rather than reduced. But I suppose AR and VR and, and the, the use of avatars might present for an opportunity to take that one step further than, than you can currently do. And interestingly, Mark Zuckerberg's um, uh, video introducing the metaverse uh, when they rebranded as Meta um, just a couple of months ago, kind of had him zapped up to a space station, sat around a table with, with a mixture of humanoid and robots and monster style characters. And, you know, you could be anybody, you could be a female in her 50s uh, from a minority group, but you could decide to appear on a video as, as a giraffe. And no one would know who you are or where you came from. And it would immediately ch challenge some of that unconscious bias. Yeah. Uh, equally, you know, if you're a male and you decided that you wanted to be someone else. So there is, a, there is an element there. And, and I suppose there are some ethical questions there as well. But there does, there, there is that ability to, again, mask our, um, our character, our name, our, our um, appearance through the metaverse that might, might present some interesting questions. And I'm not sure whether they're, I'm not sure how many people hiring would feel about that, but if you're trying to to um, introduce a, an anonymous element into the the recruitment process, I think that could be quite interesting. Um, the, another aspect could be around around group scenarios. Certainly, when you're introducing um, graduate or or trainee candidates, junior candidates into a process, um, yeah. one of the traditional um, one of the traditional mechanisms for trying to see how that person might interact and work in an environment was to kind of have them in role-playing situations. So uh, uh, Harvey Nash Group, when we were hiring um, entry-level recruiters, uh, we would often ask them to play a hot air balloon game and we would get them all to choose a character. So they might choose to be Gandhi or they might choose to be, uh, I don't know, um, Tony Blair or someone, whoever they might choose. There's some figure from history that they kind of uh, identified with or, or admired in some way. Uh, and then they'd argue that person's case whilst in a hot air balloon hurtling towards Earth. And each round, uh, the people around the table would vote off um, who they thought was, was the weakest potential candidates to be saved as the final person in the balloon. Well, in a virtual uh, environment, you could take that one step further and you could you could really play out that scenario and, and have it feel so much more immersive and allow people to really kind of go for it and buy into those characters. And so I suppose you would see a slightly different aspect of their character uh, mm -hmm. in that virtual environment that I think would be 
would be quite interesting. So there's a couple of things. I think, I think you know, um, seeing how people interact with each other in unusual scenarios that aren't a possibility at the moment. And then also that question mark of, well, it presents you an opportunity to be someone other than yourself and perhaps reducing bias and, and allowing someone to judge you on the strength of, 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 your, of your capabilities rather than anything else. So this anonymity that you're talking about, um, do you think it benefits the candidate more than it does the recruiter? Um, well, I, I, no, I, I don't think they're, they're exclusive. I, th I think if it benefits the candidate, it benefits the recruiter. I think if the candidate is bringing their true self and is being judged on their, on their potential, and, um, mm -hmm. and I think we should judge on potential rather than experience, then I think that's a good thing. And I think that whilst that is undoubtedly good for a candidate, that is good for an organization because they will then therefore make a better informed hiring decision that is likely to, 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 uh, to, to bear longer term fruit for them um, and benefits for them than, than unfortunately some of the traditional methods where we do tend to look at someone's experience rather than what they potentially could bring to an organization. Yeah. So if you're talking about an enterprise for a firm or a small startup, so what are some barriers to air rear adoption in recruitment, especially? Um, so I think if we're looking at barriers at the moment, um, you have to be aware that, that the vast majority of people don't really have the capability or the technology at home to fully embrace this technology yet. I mean, at the minute, VR and AR is realistically the preserve of gaming uh, and of gamers. And so it's people who've got the money to go out and buy an Oculus headset who can really kind of um, commit to um, virtual uh, virtual reality environments. Um, so I think that's one particular barrier to the adoption of the technology that, you know, until the, until the hardware itself is more readily available at a cost that um, can be afforded, then then there is going to be that barrier that will unfortunately obviously favor favor people who've got um, greater means and greater access to wealth, which is not good for 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 inclusion. Uh, you know that doesn't that doesn't just uh, mean of course the the act the actual um, hardware itself of course, but also access to data. Um, these environments undoubtedly are going to take. Um, more data to to um, to render, so so that that presents a problem. Um, I also think that there might be some question marks around um, how much some of these environments might cost. Uh, if you're talking about the difference between a startup and a and um, an enterprise, I mean, I know that we might come on later to the idea of an infinite workplace, but uh, you know, how much how much would that with that estate, that that virtual estate cost you? Um, and will enterprise organizations have greater access to facilities or to, to features that a startup might not have? So I think I think it's really important that that the metaverse remains uh, uh, something that people have reasonably equal access to and, and ability to build uh, environments that do reward creativity and innovation rather than necessarily how deep their pockets are. Right. And so we know that ARVR is being adopted in um, other parts of business as well. So to what extent do you think it has more of a potential in HR and recruitment strategies than it does in other aspects of business? 
Well, I don't know, because at the minute, I'll be perfectly honest, I, I think that there are clearer examples for how it can be adopted in other sectors than, um, than HR and recruitment. Um, at the right. moment, I, I haven't seen a huge amount of, of businesses really adopting it in, in HR and recruitment. And HR and recruitment, unfortunately, has tended to be a little bit behind um, the, the innovation kind of uh, curve. So it's, um, you know. it's, it's underexplored at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I, I, so I, I was having an interesting call actually earlier today where people were talking about fast fashion, for example, and how AR and VR could be kind of used to um, tackle fast fashion and sustainability, therefore. Yeah. So, you know, you could have an avatar that was um, an actual, uh, you know, you could see a body that was your real own body and in the metaverse, try on outfits and see how they would fit you in reality rather than how you think they might fit you. And that might stop you buying, you know, five outfits and returning three and, and creating extensive um, supply chains. Or in gaming, there are undoubtedly uh, opportunities for um, people to, to watch multiplayer um, gaming environments kind of virtually whilst they're there. So there are there's companies like Polystream out there who are looking at engines where you can kind of be in the be in a virtual environment like a Fortnite environment and, and watching other gamers rather than watching it on a screen and feeling like you're at the event um mm -hmm. concerts music sports are all environments again where you can kind of see that there might be some really interesting user cases so what's to stop a uh, a sports club with a limited capacity at their stadium um saying well why not why don't why, why don't we put a virtual um stadium and virtual tickets online and, and allow people to be able to sit anywhere in that stadium, but from the comfort of their home, but maybe they'll be sat next to their friend who is who is 100 miles away from them and the ground is 200 miles away from them, but actually they can be sat next to each other in the same virtual environment, watching the game live as if they were in the stands or, or exactly the same idea with a concert. Um, you yeah. know, during the, during the course of the pandemic, we saw people buying kind of virtual theatre tickets and, and watching streamed performances on the television. If you could be in the stalls or be in the circle, that would be a far more interesting um, proposition, I think, for people. So I, I think there's, there's, there's better user cases for AR and VR in other industries at the moment. And I haven't seen that translate through to people in HR as yet. Right, but see that since it's unexplored at the moment and it's still research is going on in this subject area, we know that it will have a more significant role to play in the work roadmaps. So how do you think this will influence our future work environment? And currently, how do you see the internal workplace changing or adapting to that? Yeah, so it's, that's again tricky to answer because a lot of organizations at the minute are still trying to work out um, what their working environments look like full stop. You know, as we're coming out of the other end of this pandemic, um, you know, in the UK, uh, there are going to be no restrictions from next week, yeah. Uh, yeah. whereas you've got other countries where, you know, geopolitical events mean that they are certainly not in the same place. And, and, and if you look at this from a global perspective, companies, global companies are really having to look at four or five different models. Um, you know, I, I was talking to McKinsey just earlier today. They have four or five different models for hybrid working. I think what is true across the board is that people are looking for greater flexibility and the people who are looking for greater flexibility uh, are actually the millennials more than anyone else so 
if you look at kind of the statistics around millennials, I think it's something like, referring back to some, yeah, it's 87% of millennials want flexible working environments. Um, and 45% of people now looking for jobs um, are looking for work from anywhere policies. Yes. So whereas Gen, Gen Y and, and, and baby boomers are less fussed, uh, you know, they're in pretty senior jobs already. That's how they got there. It's what they know. Millennials want that flexibility. And maybe it's because they've got young children now, uh, whereas Gen Z just want choice. And I think I think that the, the virtual environments certainly play into that. You know, um, organizations do want the ability for people to get together. They think that from a culture point of view, innovation does still happen best when you trust one another and you can't trust one another as well through a 2d screen whereas if you had a fully immersive environment where it really did feel like you were meeting that person and sat with them you might trust them a little bit more and i think i think that's something that's underplayed in our understanding of innovation um you know you, you want to be in an environment where you feel like um it's safe to fail um and that will be that will be enhanced i think by the opportunity to to work in a virtual environment where you really do feel like you're getting to know someone as opposed to just being on a screen in your own living room anything that kind of puts you in a shared environment whether that's physical or virtual is, is a positive thing so i think from a from a future of work point of view and how the the office might evolve i think those are certainly considerations where where this can make a big impact and then speaking of that how big of a role does the metaverse play in all of this yeah, well, I think that the metaverse opens up really creative, innovative opportunities that um, can't be overstated. I, I'm a big fan of the idea that the office doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to replicate an office online. I, there's, there's, a, there's a platform that I use, um, uh, which is a metaverse platform, but it, it works on a 2D screen and you, you control an avatar and it looks a little bit like... Um, kind of a, a a game from the from the 90s like a legend of zelda or or um pokemon okay. right uh yeah. and you kind of you, you you walk around and as you walk up to someone you your your video comes into view their video comes into view and you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation uh and and the environments that this has built you know are work environments with whiteboards and with meeting rooms and with tables and yet the environments that I find more interesting are the ones where they draw them. And it's, it's forests with campfires and, um, or, or libraries. And, and I think that people tend to talk to each other and connect when something is different and unusual. So where I've been in those environments and, and kind of sat there at home and walking my avatar around, if I walk up to, to a forest and there's a campfire and the experience is immersive because not only can I see the campfire on my screen, but I can hear it in my headphones. I can hear the slight crackle of the yeah. fire. It's different and it gives you something to talk about. So I think that the, how can the metaverse play into this idea of the future of work? Well, why, why, would you, why would you just build a virtual office? Why would you not build a, a virtual camp or a virtual, you know, you could, you could do all sorts of crazy, wacky things. You know, you think about organizations, how they like to take people on away days to get away from work, to be more creative, to think, you know, if you could virtually take your whole team to a, to a trip to the moon, which mm -hmm. might sound slightly wacky, but 
that kind of shared experience and something new and something different that people would talk about, I think would be a really positive thing. So I think the metaverse opens up opportunities for really creative, innovative solutions to take people out of their usual working patterns and get them thinking about things in a new way. Right. So, David, would it be correct to say that the metaverse is bringing about this blending of personal and corporate identities and information? Yeah, so this, this is one thing that I think is, is interesting. Um, there is undoubtedly going to be some hesitancy when the organization that is at the forefront of this visibly in the world right now is, is meta, because they are going to blend your your social uh, profile with your access to um, the metaverse. So if they are the go-to platform for the metaverse, and therefore you have to basically log into work through your Facebook profile, people might be concerned about that. People, people may not want to be forced to use a personal social profile in a work setting. Um, they might have legitimate security concerns about that they might query well hang on a minute if i'm being asked to go into a work environment via facebook or facebook going to be serving me up adverts or or how do i know how my data is being used when i'm at work and that is not something that people have to consider at the moment if you walk into an office so you're working from your dining room you're not constantly in a platform that could be tracking you could be taking that data and could be trying to sell to you in some way or passing that data on to a third party. So I, I think there is a real concern there around the blending of personal and corporate identities that some people will not be, will not be um, overly comfortable with. And I don't think that people are totally convinced about the security of some of those platforms, especially when it comes to, to a work environment. You know, if you talk to security professionals over the last couple of years, they've, they've wor worried about um, the fact that people are very much the front line now when it comes to the threat surface, you know, the, 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 the um, threat barrier around an organization has effectively disappeared and moved right up to the individual. And we sit at, at home and there, there, there are smart devices surrounding us that could be listening. And, you know, what, what does your Alexa know about your organization that maybe it shouldn't. Well, you can extrapolate that out further, obviously, and think about it from a point of view of, well, if that platform is being provided by Meta, you know, what are the question marks that we need to consider there? So I was just going to ask you about that. What are some security and privacy issues associated with all of this then? Is it like, is it, would it now be easier for all of these cyber attacks to take place? I don't know whether it'd be easier or not. I think that what you find is that um, if you look at statistics, um, large-scale attacks have decreased over the last three years. Mm -hmm. I think it was something like 34% of organizations had experienced a large um, security attack uh, in 2019, down to something like 27% um, now, could be even be lower that might be slightly out, but it's, it's something roughly within that line. But the, but the growth in phishing attacks has been ex exponential, over 80%. Um, and again, it's the idea that the security perimeter has disappeared and has come and is now on your dining room table. So I, I think that there are legitimate concerns because of the trends around 
the types of attacks that organizations tend to see and the fact that it is very much attacks on individual phishing attacks and the growth of that. I think that, you know, the, the, um, the illegal um, uh, invasion of Ukraine and Russia's actions are another concern that might seem quite distant from working environments right now, but undoubtedly will destabilize um, um, geopolitical kind of uh, status quo, will, will lead to more, more security attacks, more opportunistic security attacks on organizations and individuals. That, that is a, an unfortunate byproduct of what is a, a humanitarian catastrophe anyway. So that's only going to make organizations think more carefully about their security. And I think that it's going to be a very difficult time for anyone to really think about how the metaverse might, um, might be adopted into work, working environments right now. I think that we're going to have to, to kind of iron out some of these security issues before there is a large scale kind of corporate um, adoption of these kind of technologies in the working environment. Right. So this brings me to my last question for this episode. So given that all of these security and privacy concerns in mind, what's the future of the metaverse? How does it incorporate or integrate into the ARVR for recruitment strategies? And how far do you think companies would be investing in a physical office space in the future? How far do I, okay, let's, let's, how far do I think organizations will invest in a, in a physical office space in the future? I mean, even, even the most forward-thinking, flexible organizations recognize the need to get people together. You know, um, Flexicareers, um, organization ran by, by, by uh, an incredible person called Molly Johnson-Jones. At the minute, they get together um, once a month because their organization is around 50 people. So once a month, you get everyone together. That's enough for everyone to get to know each other. But even they say that whilst everyone has to have choice, they would like, they can imagine as they, they grow, they would probably like to get people together once a week. And there are challenges around that because their teams are being um, hired uh, without location necessarily thought out. So, you know, someone someone who's a really talented organ, uh, individual might be brought into that organization. They might be based up in North Scotland um, mm -hmm. or even further afield. So I think that there will always be the desire to have a physical space that someone can come into if they should want. Don't forget that um, as, as much... It is, it is as inflexible to not provide that physical environment as it is to suggest that someone should come into an environment without against their choice. Um, but a, meta in, a metaverse style environment might offer a, a halfway house that is a better way of accommodating some of that uh, in-person, even though it's not in-person, but feels more in-person than via a 2D screen, in-person interaction. Um, I think, therefore, that it's going to be a blended approach, as, as, with, as, with, as with hybrid environments right now, and it being two days in the office, three days from home, or three days in the office, two days from home, and people kind of working out a balance. I imagine that the metaverse and AR, VR is going to be something that people, people have as an option. You know, well, let's meet in the virtual office today. Today, I'm going to be working from home. Today, I'm going to be in the virtual space. Then I'm going to be in the physical environment. I, th I think that it, it offers another, um, another alternative, but I don't think it's going to be a wholesale, this is a replacement for what we have traditionally had. I think that you know 
people people like being able to switch off and concentrate and be sat in their own environment with music in people like being able to go into the office because they have that social aspect yeah, to, I imagine, have I imagine choices. yeah uh, yeah and I imagine that people may well like being able to go into the metaverse for the slightly more fantastical and currently science fiction environments that uh that offer something different. I mean, what, what exactly that is, I'm not entirely sure at the moment. I think there's an element of you've got to look to science fiction to try and give you some predictions on that front. Right. Well, David, that wraps up our episode for today. Thanks for joining us on Beditech. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to Beditech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, Check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.